Can your incident response technology collect from off-network endpoints? Xtero FTK Enterprise can. Endpoints are no longer located in a physical office, and organizations need a comprehensive investigation tool that enables holistic data collection and review. With FTK Enterprise, you can also scan for IOCs and MISP indicators. You can scan with Yara rules, and you can use integrations to trigger automatic endpoint collections. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Xtero for access to their white paper, Incident Response for a Remote World. Attackers are only getting more proficient, so how can you proactively adapt your cybersecurity strategy? Core Security by Help Systems helps you uncover and prioritize the risks that pose the biggest threat to your organization. Core Impact is a penetration testing tool that safely finds and exploits vulnerabilities using the same techniques as attackers. You can conduct advanced pen tests with ease using certified exploits and automations. Take your engagements to the next level by pairing with Cobalt Strike, a threat emulation tool ideal for adversary simulations and red team operations. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash core security. Endpoint security is designed to protect every device in your fleet, wherever it may be. These days, that can be a lot of different places. Find out how HP Wolf Security uses emerging strategies like application isolation, along with a zero-trust approach and framework to give you a powerful, manageable, usable solution to your growing and increasingly spread out security challenges. Learn how HP Wolf Security can make a difference across your endpoints at securityweekly.com forward slash HP Wolf. Welcome back, everyone, to Enterprise Security Weekly. Security Weekly listeners will save $100 on your RSA Conference 2022 Full Conference Pass. I'm not sure why it's worded that way. I say conference a lot. Uh, RSA Conference will be held live in San Francisco June 6th uh, through the 8th, 2022. Security Weekly will be there in full force, except for me. I won't be there. Delivering real-time live coverage, interviewing some of the event's top speakers and sponsors. To register with the discount code for Security Weekly, go to securityweekly.com forward slash RSAC2022 and use the code 52UCYBER. Hope to see you there, except I, I won't see you there. Don't forget to check out our library of on-demand webcasts and technical trainings at securityweekly.com forward slash on-demand. Now, I will be at RSA, so they <coughs> can come see there. me. I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be there. <clears throat> Bill Brenner will be there. Bill Brenner. Our new hire, Joe South, will be there. <laughs> Lee, KT, are you going to be there? No. Be there it on Monday. with several other conferences. Yes. Into, oh, yeah, because they moved it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll be it's there on Monday. Hunker week. I'll be there Monday. This just Monday. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the conference doesn't even officially start to like Monday night. You go into well, AGC. What? Well, I'm I'm actually in San Francisco for a board meeting over the weekend, and uh, there's some potential other meetings on Monday, and then I have to come back here. Oh. So. It works. I guess. Come over and see us at the Marriott Marquis. We'll be over there hanging yep. out. Sam, Renee. I know where me. that is. Yeah. Yep. Up on the mezzanine level. We've got a couple rooms for recording and meetings and other stuff. So come on over. So fancy. I know. Fancy this year. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> and SC Media will be in Broadcast Alley as well. So we've got, <laughs> we've got the place surrounded. Oh. All right, where are we going to start? I want to start with funding. Um, I had the opportunity to interview Ryan Noon from Material Security on yep. the show. I feel like it was a while ago. I feel like I, I felt like it was a, a smallish kind of kind of company with a amazing potential for growth. 
I'm just I'm saying that I might have said that a while ago because if I had said that I'd be right because they just took a Series C uh, of a hundred million dollars on a valuation of one point one billion. It's a pretty good valuation. Unicorn. Yeah, another one. Yeehaw! Now I need to talk to their marketing people mm -hmm. because, all right, you're not zero trust security on just email alone. Zero Trust has five core domains, applications, devices, network, uh, data, etc. right? And users, I like, right? I like and to so, see you and Ryan kind of duke that one out. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, the problem is, this is the challenge with Zero Trust for me right now. Everybody thinks they're, uh, like, the Zero Trust vendor, but they're not. Like, unless you're doing all five core domains of Zero Trust, like, yeah, you can use the term, but... Just be careful how you use it because... No, Zero Trust is like a sticker you can just slap on yeah, everything, right? right? Like every package that I send out, regardless of what's in it, gets a fragile sticker. Every marketing message gets a Zero Trust. Right, KT? It does. Oh, I, I thought that meant fragile. They were Italian. That's right. <laughs> fragile. Yeah. Well, no, of course, you know, Zero Trust, it's been pretty buzzworthy for a long time and it's sort of it, at least people understand what it is now but i think the important thing to keep reminding ourselves is that yes there are multiple layers multiple levels of what zero trust security means and it's never going to be one thing but that doesn't mean you know matt just you know to play devil's advocate that doesn't mean that a product can't incorporate zero trust principles oh. it's not a zero trust product i'll take issue with that every time because zero trust isn't a product it right. is a framework it is a set of guiding principles it is you know a concept to which a product can adhere but to your point you can't have a zero trust based product that covers everything or at least at this stage it's unlikely maybe one of the big companies will at some point have various yeah. components but right i don't think there's necessarily a problem saying hey xyz company and its product is a zero trust based product it's just that a product itself isn't zero trust because zero trust isn't a product. But the concept, it, well, with any defense in depth is layering. You can't just have one layer of security. It has to be multiple layers. It has to be multiple aspects. It has to be inbound. It has to be outbound. It has to be, you know, wherever the quote perimeter, so-called perimeter is, it has to be an access. It needs to be an applications, data, network. It has to be everywhere. So I think it's okay to say that you know, this product, as well as others, is, you know, I almost tip over my tea, oh, adheres to a zero trust principle or, yes, or, right. or strategy. But users do have to realize that this is just one aspect of it. Right. So they yeah. can use material or other other great products, but they have to use a bunch of them. Yeah, I would say material security uses that zero trust principle. It basically takes everything in your inbox and says, yeah, you can access it, but you have to prove that you are who you say you are yeah. and do extra validation before we trust you to access the email that has your social security number in it or, or some document or whatever. That's essentially in a mm -hmm. nutshell how it works. Yeah. I just, it, it gets so overused. I just, <clears throat> I cringe every time I, I see it in a headline. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, it's a slippery slope. It is. It is. It's like AI it and ML back in the day. Oh, we can talk about another funding round. Oh, back Ab in the day, like yesterday? Like, yeah. like today, Abnormal Security raised $200 million. 
They are the leading AI-based cloud-native email security platform. Uh, they closed a $210 million Series C. And this four-year-old company is now valued at $4 billion. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, this is like, I mean, an interesting space in the sense that there's been a lot of players around for a long time doing AI-based cloud-native email security platform. We think of um, Gray, Greyhorn, 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 Mimecast, Point. I mean, there's a few of them out there. There's a few of them out there. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, it's Mimecast, interesting. There's well, two. Mimecast and, Mimecast and uh, Proofpoint, both through acquisition, acquired this technology. Right. Greathorn was I th one of the first pure startups to market in this in this space. Um, I was kind of shocked. Abnormal being a four year old security company at four billion dollars. That's, that's some rapid growth. Yeah, and it's two email security plays, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're just talking about security awareness and phishing and, and and on the awareness side. I mean, this is still a big issue, and you still see companies getting rounds of funding to solve this problem. And there's lots of vendors out there that have been yeah. doing this for a long time too so we still haven't cracked the whole email security nut yet that's for sure <clears throat> uh the yl um ventures um announcement's kind of interesting they raised a 400 million dollar fund uh the largest ever um in in their history and they're going to use it to seed approximately three startups per year Mm -hmm. and then use it for follow-on rounds. You don't see a wow. lot of PE funds going um, at seed rounds, right? Most of the VCs are going to go, you know, kind of series A, B round. They're going <laughs> to wait for some establishment. And, you know, um, to have a, a, a fund like this that is going to seed three companies a year, wait, I think is, is, this, is interesting. Is this more of a VC fund or, or private equity? Um, I think they're... Feel yeah. Venture sounds like it's a venture Yeah, it's capital. a VC. It's yeah, a venture capital VC. firm. Yeah. yeah, they're a VC. But, like, a lot of funding for few investments which is risky yeah well i mean i don't know what their what their pricing's going to be for for these seed rounds i mean gosh remember back That's when true. we when i came over we, were, we used to talk about funding rounds that f you know an a was five to seven million now <laughs> a's are like 20 plus million dollars mm -hmm. like I, I mean what's what's an average seed these days right mm -hmm. i mean it's crazy. So, you know, it's 400 million for follow-ons to other investments, but also seed funding. But what's kind of that cap on the seed round that they're going to put out of this fund would be interesting to, mm -hmm. it doesn't say, I didn't see it. So anyways, they have an interesting portfolio already. No, they do. Interesting yeah. to see how they uh, bring in its total capital to 800 million. I, I would, I would fund more companies to increase my chances that one gets that billion to four billion valuation and right. and ends up you know acquired or, or even going going public in in certain spaces so yeah and it looks like they plan the fund to run for about three years because it says approximately 10 startups at a pace of three startups per year so three years that's nine like so it's, it's, you, that money's you. roughly going to last three years mm-hmm and this isn't their only fund, so they're invested in many other companies, many many successful companies. And in the article, you can see some of the ones who have had really good exits too. Mm. So, you know, while they're they're a good firm, they seem to have a good track record. Of course, there are going to be some bets here, and you know, some may win, some may lose. But this isn't; these aren't going to be the only few companies. You right. know, so they still have ongoing investments in in companies that. You know, they're getting a good return on so far.
yes. or have gotten a good return on in the case of some of the acquisitions. Yep. Now, I, I just, I like the fact that they're going to fund seed rounds. Um, like I said, there, there's great ideas and, and companies that want to get bootstrapped. It's hard sometimes at the seed round to get the money you need to get to that next level. And like I said, yeah. most VCs don't touch you until you're an A or a B round because they want to see some level of success. So having a fund like this, that's going to get some seed rounds and seed companies out there, I think is, is it's a good thing for the industry. I wasn't uh, familiar with the company called Teleport. No, I'm not either. Identity and access management. I said like um, some of the comments from Adrian were that they removed the requirement for SSH and RDP to allow for remote access. Hmm. Or make that easy. Use static addresses, blah, blah, blah. But apparently that makes them worth $1.1 billion. Yeah. And they took $110 million Series C at a $1.1 billion valuation. Wow, a lot of, lot of unicorns this week. <clears throat> I think we said three more this week. Yep. I'm not sure what. That might have been the three we talked about, yeah. right? Yeah, just the three we just talked about. Yeah. yeah. We've joked on previous episodes that it's not impressive to be a unicorn anymore. You have to be a decacorn mm -hmm. to be. Oh, a decacorn. And, and Gus has a really good, somewhere in here, has a really good graphic for that, if he's listening. It's awesome. Any other funding rounds that look interesting? I didn't recognize a lot of these other companies. Yeah, these are earlier stage. Phylum, gives, he, Phylum was one, uh, Adrian says, it gives uh, risk scores to open source software packages. Um, Ooh. That that's actually I, I agree with Adrian. I think that very much is needed because typically that's a manual investigation to go. Should I incorporate this open source package or not? And there's some automated stuff that you could do, but having you know a company that's basically going to evaluate those for you and and slap a score on it, I think is a really good a really good thing. Provided they're doing the right level of checking, right? Is it abandoned? Is it buggy? You know how many is bugs? Those are things you can determine looking at you know, the GitHub um, or, you know, source code repositories of it based on the number of issues that are being filed, based on the number of commits that are happening, based on the number of vulnerabilities you might discover in them that are either uh, already known or maybe not known. And since it's open source, you can run some basic checking. Uh, you know, like I, I would buy that if, if I was building software, um, mm -hmm. I would buy that. Yeah. So uh, Clear Sky says so Jay Leak and Patrick Heim in this round. <clears throat> it's not, it sounds like they're pretty early. I mean, they only raised fifteen million. Right. Yeah. Is that is that their A? Yeah. That's yeah. That's their A. Their A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. under the twenty million threshold I just said earlier. Mm. So. Sorry. <laughs> right. Here's know. another zero trust one for you, Matt. Um, <laughs> because you you love it so much. I the Tail lands a hundred million to quote transform enterprise VPNs. Do we need to transform them or do we just need to come up with a Can we just get rid of them? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to read the the website and yeah, after a while I, I have to admit I started to think about what kind of snack I was going to get. Um but do we really need VPNs? That's not that's not quite what we need. We do need 
a zero trust approach to access for right. sure. We need a zero well, trust SASE approach. Well, it's ZTNA, right? Zero mm-hmm. trust network access is is the term that that you know everybody's I thought that was going sassy. after. Well, is SASE part of it or is that part of SASE? I think uh, that's part uh, of SASE. What ZTNA? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know which way it gets defined. It's part of Secure it, Access Service Edge. Yeah. So ZTNA part Your of SASE. ZTNA is inside of SASE. Okay. Would be my guess. Right. Well, ZTNA can be part of SASE. I, I started to write a document on this. It never got published for reasons we won't discuss at the moment. But um, yes, ZTNA can be part of SASE, but a lot of things can be part of SASE. But SASE isn't a predefined thing. So. Right. And this says right. through mesh mesh technology. So what does that mean? I think, <laughs> right? So we had the, remember you and I did that interview with, I think well, it was OpenVM, OpenVPN. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about the ability, because we were talking about, you know, like, is there a single point that, and he says, no, it's distributed. That's kind of like a mesh kind of discussion that we ended up having with him. It looks like these guys, TailScale is doing something similar or, or going to do something similar. Right. I don't know. We don't use so, a VPN here. So, I, you know, like. That's just, not a terrible thing. All right. I mean, we just Not don't. a terrible thing. Right. Well. Uh, you probably use one, right, Lee? <laughs> yes, I do. But for uh, what I'm thinking about, when you get into the zero trust stuff, yeah, you, you don't have the VPN. But they, we still are going to have components that are not appropriate for zero trust. I mean, remember, I, leave, I, live, in, I live in a research and development lab. We've got stuff you don't want anywhere near the internet. And, uh, yeah, because still PLCs don't like it. But uh, there's other, I mean, but office computing? Sure. But then how do we make sure that office computer can talk to, never mind. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting battle. Right. But we're working through it, and we're evolving. So it, it's, it's going to be a real interesting transformation. Um, you know, the one that caught me was the number nine fund and on, on Adrian's list about DOE putting out funding through their CSER program for research projects. And it's all, you know, it's six projects, about two million each, which isn't very much, but it depends on what your overhead is. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be enough to, to, to do some R&D. This is really targeted to universities more than, uh, more than a company as a startup. But mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. They're trying to, you know, seed research into security for ener- energy systems. Um, I, I think two million dollars. I could do some serious research with two million dollars. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, could. yeah no, I, 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 I make funny comments about that because I look where I sit. The overhead on my salary is about sixty-five percent. In other words, if they've got a dollar for me, I get sixty-five cents of it goes to overside. I get the remaining thirty-five. So mm-hmm. you can see how that get, makes me very expensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and, and you could have some overhead at a university too, depending on how they allocate, right? But yeah, yeah. but still, you could do a lot of work. Mm. It, you 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 could you could really get going on a project, and you could probably leverage stuff you already have and just do some really fun stuff. I mean, I'm thinking about if I was with Paul, I've had a couple million dollars to build a team and do some stuff. Whole macro, we'd have fun. Yeah, agreed. You just have to understand uh, energy systems and figure out how to protect them, I guess. Mm. Well, could do that. Yeah. yeah. A grid Can't anybody? be just anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> anybody got an extra grid laying around somewhere? Um, what did, did Docker have a conference or make some 
big product announcements on Docker Desktop? Yeah, Docker Desktop for Linux is finally available. Gosh, I remember yeah, this conversation but I don't think like that three was, years ago. But I don't think that's the big headline. It sounds like... So both Aqua Security and Anchor um, made like the exact same announcement mm-hmm. that you can utilize their products within Docker Desktop. Because yep. like I read the Aqua Security one. I was like, oh, that's cool because I saw the thing because um, I track all the Linux uh, software news. And I was like, oh, cool, Docker Desktop, I can run it on, on Linux now. I'm like, yep. that's kind of neat. And then Aqua was like, yeah, and you can like click on stuff and then run scans of your container environment right on your desktop. And Anchor was like, oh, yeah, it was like the same, you could copy and paste. And it would be the same announcement, basically. Yeah, so it looks like Anchor and uh, Aqua do essentially the same thing. Yeah, um, DockerCon 2022 is on demand, which means mm. that the events already happened. I just don't know the dates for it. But yeah, it was probably something aligned to those product announcements from DockerCon. It looks like they might have enhanced or announced their extensions. See, because I run Linux, I haven't run Docker Desktop. Um, but it sounded like extensions, um, I don't know if they were there before or not, um, but they probably worked with Aqua and Anchor and others to develop some extensions and make a big announcement at DockerCon. Yeah. Yeah. Is Docker still a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would, it all depends on, I had this conversation with Rich Mogul. It's one of the many options, right? Right. And I think a lot of people from what Rich was saying, like basically the high level is Kubernetes is overkill for what most people are using it for. Well, they can probably get away with just Docker and or just running EC2 instances on AWS, for mm-hmm. example. Um, then you can deploy containers into the cloud um, and one of the reasons to keep it in containers so you can go cross cloud, but he's like, he does. Rich didn't really seem to uh, see the need to do multi cloud. He's like, that just introduces all kinds of headaches. Right. Like he's like, you're better off using the cloud native functionality in AWS. To your point, reducing the need for for containers. Um, Rich also said that containers were good for shorter workloads and people misuse them, like mm-hmm. I do in longer running services. Right. But I also said I use it for the development environment as well, a la the Phoenix project that I can build an environment with containers, run it and test it with developers, stand it up in QA and security testing environments, run it and test it and push it in production and it's all the same environment. So I think there's more options out there, but people are still pretty heavily using containers still. I, I, you know, I haven't touched this space in a, in a couple of years since leaving Layered Insight. And I know at the time, just Docker was struggling there for a while. Mm-hmm. Like they really went through some challenges um, with the, just with product announcements. And, and that's why I asked, is it still a thing? Because, you know, we were seeing it kind of dwindle there for a little bit. Well, um, yeah, I think people are running containers in, in Azure, uh, Google Cloud to a certain extent, running them in AWS and running them in Kubernetes, not necessarily using Docker for the production environment. Agreed, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Uh, <laughs> Onapsis made an announcement. They announced this. So we're oh, for SAP. Uh, Onapsis assesses, assesses baseline. Onapsis assesses baseline is the name of the, the product. It's yeah. really strange to say. Um, and then they write a whole bunch of stuff that is like gobbledygook, essentially. Yeah, but it, I think it's for SAP, right? It is. So they were primarily. No, they're always SAP. Were they always SAP? Or, no. No. Yeah. Yes. Always SAP? Yeah. 
SAP is mm-hmm. Oracle. Oh. SAP is Oracle, right? No, no. SAP or, is SAP. SAP is SAP. SAP, SAP, SAP. Oracle SAP. is the other one that they that they support. Oh, it's okay. been a while right. since I've covered yeah, it. Yeah. That's the story. But right. yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, SAP has always been their bread Long and butter, but then they also announced support for Oracle. Yeah. But this feature is for SAP applications. For okay, got it. Yeah, Something Mario's about, been on before. I'm pretty sure, right? We've yes. had him on before. Yes. Yeah. It's yes, been a while. Though. We have. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, this is a new SaaS-based zero footprint model focusing on a core targeted set of critical vulnerabilities as the first step on the journey to enable to ensure cybersecurity compliance and availability of SAP applications. And then expansion into vulnerability management as well as capabilities for continuous threat monitoring and application security testing. All of which I thought they did already, so I'm not quite sure what the new features and functionality are. Yeah. It sounds well they they tout it as a jump start. So maybe it's an easier way to with do something cloud assessment or to, something yeah, and, and understand yeah. it. And mm-hmm. then it, it's kind of a pathway into maybe adding on capabilities from the part of these or press something. releases as we've I know, well, I think part part of the newness is the SaaS based offering. I could be wrong about that, but no, I, I think, think you're right, KT. I, th- I yeah. think that's the meat of it here. And maybe there are enhanced product features, you know, obviously they're going to, you know, try to do more with each release, but I think it's that it can be deployed as SaaS. Yes. Agreed. Arctic Wolf. Arctic Wolf Labs. Labs. They're launching a a Labs component, which is interesting. I mean, when I start looking at what's out there and what companies are doing some research, there are some really strong I, I think it's kind of almost like a trend right to have the research lab it's part of marketing mm-hmm. it's also dips its foot into product management and product research as well um in article for spinning up yeah when you have a lot of data component. to analyze these make sense right for an organization because yeah, then they yes. can mine that data analyze it get it out as thought leadership content kt right and and really leverage the data they have to to you know, just shine a light on, you know, what's happening, what's trending, you know, how do you address it? it you know, Rapid7 has been doing this for years, right? And labs and, is an overloaded term, too. Yeah, it is. It means a lot of different it, things to a lot of different people. It's just a good idea, even if you don't use it as thought leadership content, which obviously I'm in favor of. Um, but the ability to sanity check your assumptions while you're trying to build and sell a product is critical because we see so many products out there we see so many you know quote unicorns and quote and companies who are getting these bazillion dollar valuations for products that may or may not work or work as intended they might fall over when you try to you know connect too many xyz whatever that is and we've seen that time and time again so for a company to sanity check its own product by analyzing the data even if they do nothing else with it i think that's critical but yeah the ability to glean insights out of that to not only develop their product but to understand where the market is going what's happening what's trending what might be on the horizon where threats are you know that that's the goal for these companies is to say hey we detected a new threat and then put out a big press release i think that's a major goal for these labs those aren't bad but the internal insights i think are a gold mine if they can do this right and i like it when they release their tools as well i think that 
is a thought leadership thing, but also a trust thing as well. I know, yeah. you know, so many companies have, I've stumbled upon their GitHub repositories. I'm like, wow, you're really making a cool contribution to the community. And then I use their tools and I like them. That inspires confidence and trust in their research yeah. teams, which hopefully translates into trust and confidence in their products. Right. It's kind it is, it is a stretch. I think you need to do some other activities to really extend that, that trust. But I think, you know, it's part of it. Going to the big research conferences and presenting research yeah. is, is mm -hmm. important, but you can't, I guess where I've seen it, I think not as be as effective if that's like one of the only things that you're doing, like you have to do a lot more, uh, to have thought leadership and, and inspire confidence. Well, I think that's, that's a really good point because there's so little trust in vendors these days. Everybody is skeptical of vendors that anything a company can do to prove how it's actually accomplishing what it says it can is important because there is, unfortunately, not just in our industry, in every industry, a lot of hand-waving around what a product can do and to really level up and, and provide that actual data it is important because it takes the skepticism out of even an evaluation much less a purchase of a product mm -hmm. right yeah i agree we actually did uh, some research work for um arctic wolf mm. uh on the research side right and so um you know we've worked well with with the arctic wolf folks they they've been very happy with the the stuff they've done with us but this is really for them <laughs> internally to really drive mm -hmm. you know yeah. engagement to the next level for them and they these guys have been growing like crazy too oh my gosh you want to talk about a unicorn i mean these guys came out of like nowhere and, and got big fast they did they got they did. big really fast yeah oh we were talking about containers uh core light has highlighted some cool functionality in Kubernetes pods and being able to encapsulate the network traffic and grab it into their platform. So speaking of uh, containers and Kubernetes and how uh, uh, well used they yeah. are, you know, the Corelight is actually looking at grabbing some of this traffic and they give a little example in their blog and spotting some log4j traffic in Kubernetes environments. Uh, and the little snippet I have there is basically how they're able to use the VXLAN container to encapsulate all network traffic to and from the pod into a VXLAN and forwards all the traffic to what Corelight is part of their product, a sensor core pod. Hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder Very how they're cool. doing it. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's, um, it's a, so it's probably a sidecar or something that's, that's grabbing all that traffic. Yeah, I don't know exactly how, if it's a kernel module or yeah. a privileged container. It could or, be a privileged container or a sidecar, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then it's just forwarding that traffic over and pulling it into their platform. Which just, I mean, one level of visibility. Yes, traffic. Traffic. If you're inside the container, you can see it all. Right, <laughs> right. Process, data, traffic, you can see it all. This Siren 12.1... Looks like a tool for law enforcement. A flexible investigated intelli investigative intelligence platform that uses a data model to drive discovery of associated data. It sounds like the investigative is they're more targeting towards a law enforcement, not necessarily an enterprise. Hmm. Templates show information about the record, which data coming from not only the record itself, but from a connected records 
and web service calls. Enables law enforcement analysts to spot never before seen patterns in investigations required for advanced correlation analysis on multiple data sets. Yeah, that's All the, the sentence I read that was like, hmm, that sounds like really specific to law enforcement. Nothing wrong with that, but not an enterprise product is kind of how I read that. No, but. Sounds cool, though. Yeah, I mean, if it could help us, if you could help connect the dots to get down to the who's behind the what, it would definitely be a valuable investment for somebody in law enforcement or other investigation. Matt, you, you, we saw Zero Fox a while back, and I haven't heard yeah. much from Zero Fox in a long time. Were they a Colorado-based company? You had no, some, no, no, no. They're, uh, you knew Maryland. Some of the folks. They're in Baltimore. Oh, okay, you knew they're some Baltimore. of the folks over there or something. Yeah, Foster, yeah. the CEO, and yeah, I haven't heard news about, about them in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. They did a partnership with Exabeam. I'm not sure where Zero Fox was when I looked at them several years ago, focused on social media type security and telemetry. Mm -hmm. Yep. You could say. Yeah, they yeah. were they were looking at social media. They were looking for um impersonation yeah. attacks and, and some of those things. Mm -hmm. I think they've expanded the the product. It says digital since, protection. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of their their messaging now. Yeah. It's looking for all those little elements out and about through social media and other areas that are looks like they're getting integrated into the Exabeam sim. Yeah. So yeah. it says they deliver proactive intelligence to disrupt phishing, impersonations, malicious domains, and data leakage across public, deep, and dark web. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've pivoted almost into attack surface monitoring, sort of, but not really. More right. on the uh, intelligence side. Yeah. Who, so you've got... Threat intel, attack intel, m married with you know adversary disruption. So you're looking at you know how the what the latest techniques are, and what data you have exposed, and how those could relate. That could be that may could make it adaptable better to provide more focused feedback on where you got a problem, based on what's currently being exploited. It's kind of cool, but I, like like you when I like you Matt when I first heard about him, it was really social media exposure. What you were what your CEO is posting online mm. that's making him a target for impersonation or other activity. Right. And and, right. and it was it was not just CEO. I mean, it was any potential well, high-profile executive, but yeah, right. Well, I just inserted buzzword here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're doing some acquisitions, too. Um, interesting. They announced yeah. plans to acquire IDX and become publicly traded company via merger with LNF Acquisition <laughs> Corp. Um, I don't know when that was, but mm. yeah, I haven't, I, to your point, Paul, I haven't seen them much in the news lately. So mm. yeah. yeah. What else we got? Uh, what else is on this list? Cover the Docker ones. Mm. Exabeam covered that all the funding. Oh, partnership Kroll and Armis joined forces, strengthen cyber resilience for critical systems. Talking about another unicorn Armis. Right. <laughs> And, but Kroll is um, an ICS in OT cybersecurity company. Is that is that true? Uh, he, uh, uh, so or is Kroll more incident response and Armis is providing insight into ICS yeah, our, and our, OT? Armis is yeah. providing the OT ICS visibility. It looks like a... Um, so the quote in here from Kroll is head of managed services for cyber risk. So they're probably doing a partnership to build some managed services around OT and ICS detections. Got yeah. Uh, Ar Armis is a 
in OTI, OT, ICS, they also say IT asset management company as well. So in, in the same space as Exonius and Jupiter One, call, shout out to Tyler who isn't here today. Um, so yeah, they're, they're in the cyber asset management space focused most heavily on OT. And so that's the partnership supporting Kroll with greater visibility into the OT assets on a company's network. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Armis is one of those companies that grew really, really fast mm. too. <laughs> we, we, when did we meet with them, Paul? That mm. was that was Black Hat 2019, I believe, right? <coughs> Could have been. Yeah, I think it was. I think we did an interview with them in the Cabana. We did, yeah. Right back then, yeah. 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 All right, what else we got? Oh, Squirrel. 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 Squirrel? Squirrel. Oh, so... There's apparently, a, uh, so uh, Adrian writes in, there's apparently a tradition that Koreans are considered one year old at birth and then gain a year on New Year's Day regardless of their actual biological birth date. This has caused issues with age-based COVID vaccination programs and other scenarios that require a biological age. So the, uh, Korea's new president is making the shift to use biological ages official. So actual age, not Korean calendar age. age. <laughs> so some people could get younger. Mm -hmm. That's a good trick. Yeah, I'd like. Right. Can I get younger? I'd like to be a year younger. I take a year off. Sure. Heck yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily just want it on paper, though. I'd really like, yeah. mm, you know, know, a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> because if I go back here, can I get the weight off too? Like the mm. COVID 10, 15, 20? Like, can I cut that in half if I go back a year? <laughs> I thought it was the COVID 19. Right. Yes. Um. Yeah, no, I don't want to like go back to high school or anything stupid like that. But I want some of the younger looking and feeling for my current age where I'm a lot happier than I was in the past. Mm -hmm. But I want that now. Right. Right. If you I want move, if you the move 20 to years ago energy and the fewer lines here. Maybe if you move to Korea, it's magical and you just said they take a year off. So, KT, <laughs> you know how you fix that? You have my wife come over and give you a bunch of Botox and that's what she does so i mean it, hey well, if she wants to travel here <laughs> i'll give her a nice drink we'll oh, hang out we'll have a good time way, yeah and by the way you know where she gets her botox from south korea that's funny <laughs> there you go. yeah it, it, that's it, how they're taking a year off yeah that's it because south korea is known to we're going to continue the squirrel segment for a little bit so the south koreans are huge into, into um, botox it, all kinds of aesthetic procedures right i mean like they're known around the world like if you want like a major cosmetic work done like south korea is like one of the top places in the world to go and so it you can actually buy botox from south korea mm -hmm. and have it shipped over it's shipped they they pack it all in ice like ice packs and stuff and it, it gets here really really fast and it's like i want to say it's like the tenth of the price Mm -hmm. Then you can buy in the U.S. because it's all, you know, because of the FDA and all the stuff. Right. It's super expensive here. But she gets it really, really inexpensive. Yeah. Good to know when I need my next Botox Exactly treatment. right. <laughs> Just got to come down to Texas, though. Mm -hmm. Well, there's that. <clears throat> Good barbecue in Texas, so. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, 
Matt, Lee, KT, thank you very much for helping us out with this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.